Hey, you're listening to Sound Plus Doctrine, the podcast of Sovereign Grace Music. Sovereign Grace Music exists to produce Christ-exalting songs and training for local churches from local churches. For more information and free resources, you can check out SovereignGraceMusic.org. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our very first Sovereign Grace Music podcast. We are so excited. I am so excited because uh, I have wanted to do this for a long time. And tell people who you are. I was just going to do that. My name is David Zimmer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Bob Coughlin. Uh, yes, I have wanted to do this for a couple years now uh, because um, Bob has had such an impact uh, on my life. Uh, as a worship leader in my own context, I'm sure many of you would thousands, say the same. Tens of thousands, <laughs> if not dozens. <laughs> I'm sure many of you would say the same. Uh but I've also been impacted by um, Sovereign Grace Music uh, as a resource, uh, being mm, able to good. partner with Sovereign Grace Music um, as an instrumentalist, a musician. And so this is just a joy to actually be sitting in these chairs, uh, having this discussion. It is. Um, it is. So I'm hoping that we are going to be able to have a lot of great discussions in these chairs. Wherever we happen to do it. Yeah. Right. We're doing it here right now. Yes. And it's with great. our With my library in the background. <laughs> I've read. Have you read all those books? Almost every one of these books. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, so I thought a great place to start um, this podcast would be to learn a little bit more about you, Bob. Um, if, sure. And uh, Sovereign Grace Music, how Sovereign Grace Music came to be. Yeah. yeah. So um, just starting with you for people who don't know who you are and what your involvement of Sovereign Grace in Sovereign Grace Music is. Mm-hmm. Tell us. So like how far back do you want me to go? How did you come to know Christ as your Savior? Okay. Uh, it was freshman year in college. Went to Temple University in Philadelphia, and I was raised a Catholic. Was going to become a priest. Did wow. not become a priest. Very six, Had six kids, 19 grandkids. <laughs> Very um, But there was this guy from Camp's Crusade, now known as Crew, who knocked on my door in the dorms and you know, just, hey, can we get together? Can we get together? So finally I did. And uh, we met in the Student Union building. This was in the fall of 1972. I share about this, and mm-hmm. I think in True Worshippers. Um, so he he just started asking me about my life and saying, you know, do you think you're going to heaven? I said, I'm pretty sure, you know, I, th- I think so, yeah. And you know, th- that kind of yeah, I think, you know, hope. Mm-hmm. So he showed me Romans 3:23. Uh, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He said, do you do you think you've sinned? I said, well, sure, I've sinned. You know, nobody's perfect. Said, okay, well, flip over to Romans six twenty three. It says here that the wages of sin is death. You know, do you believe that you will die and for your sins? I said, well, yeah, but I mean, if I go to confession and I, I had some answer where I said, yeah, I, th- I can do some things to take care I of that. I can give it covered. Yes, I got, I got it covered. So he said, but look at the rest of that verse. You know, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he did something that. I've, I've done with numerous people since then. He gave me a pencil and he said, this is my gift to you. And I said, great, well, thanks. And he said, did you do anything to earn that gift? I said, no. Did you do anything to deserve it? Hmm. No. Uh, am I going to take it back? I said, no. He said, well, that's what eternal life is like. Hmm. When, when you believe that Jesus Christ paid for your sins that he purchased your forgiveness, that he died your death, he was condemned for you. God gives you the gift 
of eternal life. You're forgiven, you're reconciled to him, and you have this gift of eternal life that you didn't earn, Mm. you didn't deserve, and he'll never take back. And God changed my heart. Uh, He changed my life. Uh, That was 48 years ago. uh, And never never been the same. Wow. So that, that's how I became a Christian. And how did that lead you into, um, Sovereign Grace music? Okay. Uh, well, little, little connection. I was majoring in piano and got a piano performance degree and I was in a band called Glad, which was a contemporary Christian band in the late seventies, no longer. Um, so from 76 to 84, I was in that band full time. And you were writing songs, writing songs, traveling around the country, producing albums. Okay. Um, and I left the band in '84 to be a part of the local church, um, which I was in Sovereign wow. Grace churches at that time, and uh, it just led naturally into you know wanting to serve the church with with uh, music. Was there a moment uh, in the band Glad where you thought, "This is great. I love this," but I feel like you know, God is moving me to something else. Was there a, was mm, there a moment absolutely. that you felt that way? Absolutely. So we were in a church in Philadelphia being taught on a series called The Redemptive Community. And it was about how God views the local church and the purpose of the local church, which mm. is to, you know, display the gospel to the local community and have an impact in that way. And I realized that as much as I loved what we were doing, um, I could not devote myself to that while I was in the band. Mm. Um, I I remember reading a book called The Radical Christian by a a UK author named Arthur Wallace. And he had this line, he said, if you want to make your life count, find out what God is doing in your generation and fling yourself into it. Wow, that's great. Well, it redirected my life. Mm. I mean, I, I could see from God's word that what God was doing was Jesus building his church. Mm. That's what he was doing. So I told the band in 81, I'm going to leave in three years because we had just signed a three-year record contract. And I thought, I want to honor that. But at three years, 84, I'm going to leave. And that's what I did. And, you know, David, I've never looked back. Mm. Uh, I mean, I continued to write and arrange for GLAAD for the next, I don't know, 30 years or so. Love those guys. Um, But... I've never regretted giving my life, my devotion, my time, my commitment to the local church. And I've seen God do wonderful things. Because I, I, I wanted to be a part of seeing people not only saved, because we'd see that in GLAAD. We, you yeah, know, we'd, at sure. concerts, people would come to know Christ. But, but discipled, mm. equipped... And and deployed for ministry. Yeah. I wanted to be a part of that process. More of a long-term approach to ministry as opposed to we're in this town right, right we have this ability to reach these people but then we're leaving y- yes yes like tomorrow yeah. uh and i think there's this there was then and there is now that can be the sense that you know if you want to do something really exciting in the kingdom it can't be the local church uh, and I wanted to be a part hmm. of of arguing with that and saying, no, hmm. it's in the local church. That's where God's working. Certainly he does yeah. things outside the local church, but Jesus came not to build an industry, not hmm. to build an institution, not hmm. to build an organization, but his church. Hmm. 
And so that's made up of yeah. denominations and you know churches throughout the world, but it means meaningfully be involved in a local church. And so I've I've done that with with Sovereign Grace churches for the past thirty, well, almost forty years. Wow! So being a part of a Sovereign Grace church, then Sovereign Grace music, yes, yes, is so, born out of that church. Then right, you want that story about like yes. Sovereign Grace music, how yeah. that developed. Um, so in the in the early eighties, the Sovereign Grace churches was just getting started. Uh, one of the individuals who's written a lot of our songs, Mark Altrogi, was wanting to write songs that reflected the teaching we were getting. Mm. So it was teaching on things like mission, the gospel, the sovereignty of God, the father heart of God, those, those kinds of things, the church. And uh, so he would just send out cassette tapes. You know what a cassette tape is? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, right. Um, he would send those out to like the various churches, and we mm. only had about four or five. Mm. Well, another couple got involved in doing that. Um, Steve and Vicky Cook. Steve yeah. has produced a number of us right. albums. Uh, Vicky wrote the tune for "Before the Throne of God Above," right. Right. Um, and then I started getting involved. Said, "Hey, I want to in on this too." And so, primarily, the four of us, along with a few other writers, started sending out these things we called song service tapes. And we'd send them out maybe, I think, quarterly or, I think, quarterly. Uh, when you say song service, are you talking about, these are songs that we want the world to sing? No. Or these are songs that we are we want our local context yes, to sing? Yes, So the, those are being born out of, like, sermons? That, yeah, yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. Yeah, and if the world would sing them, great. But no, at that point, we were just saying, hey, we want our churches to sing songs that reflect what we're being taught. Yeah. Because yeah. we couldn't find, and maybe we weren't looking hard enough, but we couldn't find the songs that really said what we thought we needed to be singing. Hmm. So that's where it began. Um, in 1991, Integrity asked me to lead uh, one of their Hosanna series, one of their Hosanna albums, 42, Chosen Treasure. So that that helped to get our songs out uh, more. And I should mention that back in the 80s, the idea of, you know, worship songs being sung throughout the world, that was not the expectation, mm. um, especially for modern songs. I remember talking to a, a label at one point, we were trying to find a label to to produce our an album for us. And an executive told me, you know, worship is a regional thing. Like you won't, you know, it's just for your region. We're not going to expect songs to like go throughout the world. Wow, fascinating. My, how things have changed. Yeah, uh, so anyway, in 91, our songs started getting out more through that album. And then uh, in the mid nineties, we did some albums with Word. And then we did this series. We produced our own series of CDs called Come and Worship. I think we did about 10 of those, 10 songs each, so about a hundred songs. Wow. Again, just songs for our churches, songs yeah. for our church. We want our churches to be fed with these songs. Um, and then for maybe for the last 20 years, we've been doing songs more geared towards themes and you know, different projects, um, different focuses that we want to do. And uh, in the kindness of the Lord, um, you know, our songs are being sung you know, throughout the world now. And we have mm-hmm. songs translated in, I think, 22 languages. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's been amazing, really. Wow. But our focus has never shifted from writing songs for local churches from local churches. And then yeah. I've been involved in leading it for... About the the past twenty three years, you know, in some in some form or another. Yeah, so you mentioned the songs being sung, you know, for local churches from local churches. Uh, I, I would I would say that that's one area that defines what Sovereign Grace music is. Mm. Um, if you could sort of a bird's eye view of what Sovereign Grace music exists to do today, mm. uh, what would you say that is, and what is your role in that? Well, we, our mission statement is 
um, you know, we want to produce Christ-exalting songs and training for local churches from local churches. I oversee all that. Songs and training. Songs and training. So the songs part is writing songs that enable the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. You know, that's that's what uh, Colossians 3.16 says we're to do. God's word says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And then he follows that with, and whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Mm. So verse 16 focuses on what's supposed to be happening when we're singing. Well, the word of Christ is supposed to be dwelling in us richly. Mm-hmm. That's not just words about Christ. It's the word of Christ. It's mm-hmm. it's the gospel. It's the good news that, yeah, it's the best news. It's that Jesus, the son of God, left his throne, subsumed himself into a human, with a human nature. So you have a divine nature, human nature, and one person, Jesus. He was born as an infant, took on our flesh so that he could live a perfect life of obedience that we could never live. He died a substitutionary death that we deserve to die for our rebellion, our sin, our pride, and rose from the dead so that whoever trusts in him could be forgiven could be reconciled to God, could be united with Christ so that we could become co-heirs with Christ and be treated as though we had done everything Jesus has done, which is just amazing. Mm -hmm. And we look forward to an eternity of joy at his right hand. Mm -hmm. That's the gospel. There's no better news in the world. So our songs are supposed to help people. Our songs are supposed to help that news dwell in people richly yeah and they're supposed to teach and admonish each other so there's an element of you know the word of god in in what we do and so like to say our songs are not just theologically aware Mm. like yeah this you know there are things that the bible says but theologically driven so they're driven by the theological connections in scripture they're they're driven by the grand narrative of the bible which is the redemption of you know people for god's glory in christ uh they're they're driven by doctrinal truths that are precious um they're not necessarily just heavy and weighty but they they apply those things and and what they're what lies behind the words we sing so we're very conscious of that and i think that's one of the things that people say about sovereign grace music is you know we we know know that the words we sing are going to be drawn from the word of God. So our songs are theologically driven. They teach and admonish and they enable the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. So we produce those kind of songs. And then the training aspect is, um, you know, of course, I wrote Worship Matters. Uh, we hold lead Worship God conferences. I lead a Worship Matters intensive. We we do different things that, that help people understand not just how to sing well well how to sing these songs how to lead these songs Mm -hmm. you know how what music what part music plays in the church so it's it's more and that's led us into more you know the whole the context of the whole meeting you know how does music serve what we're trying to do in this meeting so that's the training aspect so that's so i lead that certainly don't do it alone i'm accompanied by a host of people who uh help do all this stuff um lead the songwriters um, you, you know, yeah. So it's a, it's a pure joy. I love doing what I'm doing. Well, it is so awesome to be uh, talking about this and hearing the history of how this all came to be. Um, I think you know, 30 years later of you starting Sovereign Grace Music with theologically driven songs that 
are inspiring churches and to still be doing that uh, oh. is so exciting. Well, my passion for it's greater than ever because I say music is great, Jesus is greater. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's his glory that drives what we do. There will never be enough songs. We're thankful for all the people who are writing songs of that kind, you know, that yeah. enable the word of Christ to dwell in us richly, that are theologically right. driven. Thank God for all the ministries and churches and individuals that God's raising up to do that. We, we're just one, you know, we're just one of them. Yeah. But Jesus is so glorious that that we will... You know, if we get tired of doing this, like we're looking at the wrong thing. Hmm. We're we're not looking at him because that's what we're going to be doing when right. this is all done. Right. When we're with God in the new heavens, the new earth, we are going to be singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wisdom and wealth and honor and glory and blessing. And no one's going to be looking around going, eh, is there anything else? Hmm. Can we do something else? This <laughs> is like, I mean, we'll be doing other things, but it will be for his glory. So... Yeah. Yeah, my passion, if anything, is just greater than it ever was to mm. see Jesus magnified not only in the songs of his people, but in our lives. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff hopefully we're going to be getting into I love uh, in this that. podcast. I, I obviously, the passion um, to see Christ magnified through the songs we sing is so clearly evident in mm. you and Sovereign Grace Music. Mm. So I'm so excited to dive more into even what that means. Amen. What does that mean in our daily life? You know, how do songs affect uh, our daily life? Mm. Um, you know, even today in June 2020, yeah. how do the songs we sing affect what's happening yes. right now around yes. us? And in our hearts. And in our hearts. Yep. Yeah. So I, I am so excited uh to do this and thank you for joining us thanks for tuning in yep uh we'll see you next time amen thank you for listening to sound plus doctrine the podcast of sovereign grace music for more information free sheet music translations and training resources you can visit us at sovereigngracemusic.org